Welcome to Loving God and Making Money. I am Julaine Smith. And I'm Kyla Alvarez. And Kyla and I are here again this week. Shout out to all of our listeners. We appreciate you so much for taking out your time to listen to our podcast as we continue to explore, discuss, digest, unpack some of the issues of the real world that we live in, in the world of business as well as ministry. Yep. Yeah, because we kind of talk about both of those areas. And today, as we continue to discuss the issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, Kyla and I are going to talk about a topic uh, that we sure may be controversial to some of our listeners, but is definitely needed. And it is the exploitation of laborers. Yes. Oh, goodness. And when Kyla first introduced this topic to me, folks, I, I immediately in my head uh, went to a passage of scripture that just kind of popped out. I'm going to read it for us, Kyla, just to kind of uh, level set from a, a biblical perspective, yep. what the scripture has to say about uh, exploiting laborers. And it's in John, uh, James chapter five, starting at the first verse, it says, come now, you rich Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Seboeth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. So here we are, and we're talking about from a scriptural perspective, stuff that's going on as the author of the scripture, James, uh, penned it in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. in the area where work is being done. It's happening all day, every day. And there's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. And so as it is in 2019, so it has been in times gone past that people who are in positions of power, merchants, owners, have treated laborers unjustly. Yes. And as a result, they have heaped up for themselves, the Bible says, uh, riches Mm -hmm. that are corrupt. Yeah. And they have lived in luxurious lifestyles. Yet the laborers that they are unjustly treating are crying out. Yes. And y'all, we are as, you know, I hate the term first world, but as United States citizens, majority of us still live far better than the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just talking about the first 1% you know, in Seattle and Bellevue, in San Francisco or New York, you know, the mm-hmm. the top of the top. I think all of us slightly participate in this and myself included. So I'm preaching to the choir here because even myself, I get checked on this topic because even as someone who feels exploited myself in the workforce, I realize that the lifestyles and the choices I make also sadly exploit others. There's 
like, for example, Jelaine, there's this really cool. Because you see, I'm looking at you, right? I know. I'm like, oh, You're like, where is she going it's with It's like, this? come on now. What are you talking about? Yeah. for Well, there's this really cool website. I'll have to find it and share it with you all later. But there's this website um, that essentially figures out how many slaves work for you. So what it is is basically depending on the products you buy, your toothpaste, your deodorant, your shampoos, your clothing, Mm -hmm. um, it actually has done all the research and figured out what companies actually hire slave labor or um, employ children or employ unsafe, harsh working environments. And it actually calculates for you on average how many slaves are working for you daily. So for myself, I'm at 44 slaves a day. And I am trying to decrease that with every product that I buy. This is why my money matters. I'm trying to make better, equitable choices. Oh, wow. I didn't even know there was such a website. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'll have to figure it out for everybody because it's really, I mean, it kind of checks you, right? It checks you of like, oh gosh, God, I, I am so disconnected from my business practices, from the businesses I buy from, um, how I get my consumer goods. We, we are so detached from how those things get made, who gets who gets yes. the top dollar of that and who gets the pennies of that. Yes. We're so disconnected. But that's why this conversation is so important is because it checks us um, on social systems that we've used to justify business practices. Yeah, now this is interesting because it does tap into the whole area of social responsible business yep. and supply chain management. Yes. Right? So, for example, as a business owner who is producing a product, mm-hmm. and, and let's say, for example, you uh, import raw materials or you offshore the production of your good that you're going to sell onshore, um, who is it that you are actually tapping into as far as the labor force? Yep. And how are those um, individuals being treated yep. um, in their local communities? How are they being compensated? What yep. kind of working conditions do they have? How much of that supply chain value is actually going back into the hand of the individuals who are producing the goods that you are ultimately selling? Yep. And that's where we as business owners who are involved in a business where we are uh, hiring people to work for us or we are importing goods from um, uh, countries outside of the United States, we have to ask ourselves those questions and not turn a blind eye to injustices that may exist in a labor force that we are tapping into for our benefit. Yep. You know, that is not something that we can ignore. No, but it has been. That's the thing is, uh, I think especially in our culture, you know, especially if you own a company or you sit on a board of a company, mm -hmm. I think we're so used to, um, you know, board members sitting and taking a huge, you know, like $20 million cut in a company while the people on the ground level you know, hardly get minimum wage. We we see that as just, right? Like, oh, well, I sit at the top. I've worked for this. I've gotten the degrees. I deserve the $20 million and you deserve the $12. Yeah. yeah, and a part of that is at that level, Kyla, really, I mean, you think about the responsibility that somebody would have to manage the uh, a business that produces $20 million of annual revenue. There mm-hmm. are a lot of decisions that have to be made. There yeah. are a lot of problems that have to be addressed. 
address. It is not easy no. to run a business that that produces twenty million, let alone two hundred billion or more. Totally. I mean, it. This. I'm not. I'm not um, in any way casting shade or taking any way anything away from uh, individuals who are able to uh, rise to the top of the food chain um, and and to run businesses at that level. What I am saying is that. At the same time, you're able to benefit to that extent. You also need to be responsible for everyone in your supply chain, whether it's your employees or your vendors, and and make sure that you're only doing business in a way that brings God glory. That means that you will not hire slave labor or you will not buy products from companies that are hiring slaves. And and what I mean by that word slave is that's basically not paying people a living wage Mm -hmm. because you are then contributing to the uh, oppression of a people group and you are benefiting from it on your bottom line. And that is not okay. You know, and it's, it's not even just with our businesses that we own. It's also the investments that we make. Yeah. You know, because you can be an investor buying stock or equity in companies that are not being responsible in terms of their supply chain. And so there are, I know a lot of opportunities now where you can um, only put money into companies that are socially responsible, you know, so you can make sure that your dollars are being invested in businesses that care about how people are being treated and yeah. whether or not laborers are being uh, treated fairly. Yeah. And there's, gosh, I have to find out what exactly the scripture is, but I remember a scripture saying that just because things are lawful doesn't mean they're right, Correct. you know? And I think, you know, as as a Christian, this is where we really have to take into consideration the idea of exploiting laborers because oftentimes it might be lawful for you to be able to do something, say, mm-hmm. take your business overseas, go to China, import goods there instead mm-hmm. of manufacturing them here where they have different regulations. Although the tariffs that right now we're in this tariff Yo. war, Lord Oh my gosh, lose. this 25% yeah, 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 to 20, but, uh, 25%, that's a whole yeah, other conversation. Not, notwithstanding the tariff yes. war, y'all. Yeah. We understand what's going on in America right now with China. Yeah. But, but, but for example, like in Guatemala, right? Like mm-hmm. extracting oil from Texas is a l- more costly process mm-hmm. because of just the regulations. But mm-hmm. people go into Guatemala all the time and tap into the reservoirs and extract oil, but don't like they dump the the toxic water out into villages that literally kill mm. uh, native, the yeah, the ecosystem and people and children. Yeah. But because there's no Guatemalan government to actually regulate that Um, people do it all the time you know it isn't and you know the reason why we're bringing up exploitation of our labor is in consideration to women and what you know how we work in the in the workforce here in the states at least is just what women end up having to put up with is actually really incredible in the workplace. Mm, And mm -hmm. I think we see this even in the Me Too movement, right? Mm -hmm, The mm -hmm. the sexual harassment that we have to deal with. Right. The discrimination. Exploitation. It is. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely we have to work our bodies. We have to dress a certain way. Mm -hmm. We have to be um, a certain kind of presentable in order to um 
to be taken seriously. You know, that's that's another way of being prostituted if mm. we would put it in a different context. But mm. for some reason in the workplace, it's not a prostitution. Mm. Um, you know, but we're getting paid to dress a certain way and look a certain way, mm. um, you know, for the benefit of others to be successful. Like it's that's so a pimping you bring out. Up dress because I was chatting with my son this week and he's an attorney in New York. And he's like, Mom, you know, I went to the cleaners and um, I, t- I realized I took you know, most of my suits to the cleaners. So now I only have one suit in the closet to wear, you know? And so I was laughing because I was like, honey, I said, you could wear that same suit every day. And, no and nobody's going to say a thing. Yeah. Just change your shirt and put a different tie and you're good to go. Whereas as a woman, oh gosh, if yeah. we wore the same suit to work for three or four days in a row, people would be looking at us sideways, you know, yeah. giving us the side eye and shave. It's <laughs> true. Why is it that we as women, uh, people just pay so much more attention to our attire yeah. and how we dress in the workplace than our male counterparts. Yeah. That's, that's real world. That's yeah. real talk. And right? they, it, yeah. women are judged and like even right now, for myself, like I'm choosing to go gray naturally. I'm uh-huh. not choosing to dye my hair. Yeah. Um, and I do that because I'm sick and tired of women, you know, what youth looks like, what aging looks like for women. Yeah, so for me, yeah, I'm yeah. like looking forward to being gray and redefining for the well, world. You go ahead and do your gray because you I'm know what? I am. My- yes, I am. So, <laughs> oh my God. you know, I'll but that's just how we sure. do things. Um, <laughs> but anyway, anyways, with exploitation of our laborers, I I think what I want to highlight for women, especially if you're in the workforce, Mm -hmm. is, you know, because of business regulations, what's so hard is it's hard to actually be able to measure your workload against your counterparts. Um, And what we see statistically, actually, is that women are given more complicated tasks. They're giving more workloads than, than their male counterparts, but they're not given the opportunity for the big business decisions, mm. which is really interesting because women essentially, what this is saying is that we will work women for as much as they'll allow us to work them, but we don't have to give them the same kind of compensation. Well, and I'm wondering if that is partly related to the fact that women have to um, really prove themselves in terms of being in the role that they're in, meaning that there's an expectation that we're going to produce more. We all know we, we can multitask yeah. more so than our gender, uh, our male counterparts. I mean, women are able to to do that. Um, I'm wondering if, if what you're saying is partly related to this expectation that if you're in a, a, a leadership role as a woman, there's this kind of unconscious bias and expectation that you're going to produce more to mm-hmm. basically validate the fact that you are in that role, that you you have to be able to run faster. It's almost like in the, in yeah. the black community, I know, totally. we say that when we get in a position of leadership or power, you know, we have to be better. Yep. You have to uh, measure your do. excellence. Yeah. Yeah. In order to, uh, to, um, basically, uh, you know, support the fact that we are in that role, legitimize, I should say, give, give credibility to the fact that we're in that role to begin with. We have to be better than, uh, maybe the wonderful person standing next to us, you know, that would be in the same role, uh, the majority, uh, uh, ethnic group. So it's, I'm wondering how much of what you're saying, Kyla, is related to, that fact. And then also, um, you know, women also sometimes we internalize for our own selves that we have to do more. 
yeah. to justify it's true. Uh, us being in that role. And so we'll take on more, Yeah. right? We'll raise our hand and say, oh, okay, I'll do it. Cause we're trying to, to, to make sure that, that the fact that we're in this position, uh, that we are justified in being there. Um, we're trying to build our credibility, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm just not sure, you know, because I haven't read the research around that, but I can see that there may be some behaviors that we as women uh, lean into that could result in that kind of uh, a statistic or that kind of a finding. Yeah, it's true. But I, you know, for me, I even question the whole system in and of itself. You know, us as women, we're told that this should be a norm, right? It should be you, it, you have to faithfully serve. You have to work hard. You have to work harder than your white male counterparts. Well, you to have prove to, yourself. to prove yourself. Right? And yeah. for me, I just, I just don't think that's just to begin with. I think that's BA, first of all, that women do that, that mm-hmm. people of color do that. I'm like, this is why you, you deserve to be where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that that should be a norm. I don't think I should have to, be treated unfairly and do more work and get less paid than my male counterpart who does less. You know, right. that's no, not just. I, it's, it's not just, but it's real. It is real. That's the reality but, of the world that we live in. And that's the kind of stuff that I think that people are like going, hey, enough is enough. Exactly. Time's up. Exactly. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to stand for that anymore. And so here's the deal. It's like we can speak truth to power with regards to this. Then at the same time, if we are in the position of making the decisions because we are leaders or we are business owners, how are you going to lead? Yes. How are you going to decide? And creating systems to check that. That's yeah, why what exactly, I do is exactly. so important. It's like we have to be the change we want to see. Exactly. So if we decide we're not going to exploit laborers, we're not going to exploit uh, whether it's in our supply chain or whether it's in our employees, we're going to try our best to treat people justly and to compensate them fairly and to look at the way that the workload is divided. And I know for me as a business owner, a small business owner myself, the challenge always is the allocation of a scarce resource. I mean, labor, whether it's your employees and the hours that they give you a day or finances, whether it's your cash flow, it's a scarce resource in a business model. So how do you allocate those resources in terms of your time and your cash, et cetera, so that you can make a profit? You have to cover your costs and then make a profit. Yeah. You know? It is not easy, no. especially for a small business owner, but I think also for a company that's making billions of dollars a year. It just gets more complicated. Yeah. We have to always check ourselves. We have to check our systems. We have to check our culture. Yeah. You know, what do we allow? Exactly. Uh, in terms of behaviors within our workforce? Uh, do we turn a blind eye to a manager, a leader who is exploiting a worker? Do we just like go, well, you know, they're producing, so I'm not going to check their behavior, you know? I mean, or do we address it? Do we confront yeah. the situations that we see? That are exploitive. Exactly. And that's half of the thing is the reason why I wanted to bring up the exploitation of our laborers is not just because um, I want to challenge the business people to try to figure out and stop turning that blind eye. But also, I feel like women as a whole or people of, of color have have learned to wear that oppressive nature Every day, they've learned to just be okay with it and not address the 
issue, not to stand up for themselves and what they deserve. Okay, so that's a whole other area of conversation because there's this issue of job security. Yep. And, you know, so, I mean, are you going to be the whistleblower? Are you going to risk saying something if uh, you see exploitation or you're a victim of exploitation? You have to then decide. Yeah. What is my response going to be? Yeah. And I will tell you firsthand for, you know, I work with a lot of um, immigrants, Mm -hmm. you know, in my work, a lot of undocumented immigrants. Mm -hmm. I work with, you know, um, a lot of people of color in Mm -hmm. general. And I will tell you firsthand that there are people who genuinely can't afford to blow a whistle on their situation Mm -hmm. and have Mm -hmm. to put up with the abuse and have to do that. Um, and this is where I think the scripture that you read is so important because as people who have power, if you're a leader, mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to make sure that these that our wealth is not done unjustly. We have right. a responsibility to look into mm-hmm. these situations mm-hmm. and change um the exploitation that we're causing someone else. And I love, I love Luke in particular, mm-hmm. the whole book of Luke, because it, Jesus is a, is always portrayed as the God who enters in and changes the political nature. Yes. He comes in and, you know, he says to the soldier, give your shirt. Give whatever access you have to those who don't have. Yes. You know, that's what it means to enter into the kingdom of God. Yes. You know, um, the kingdom of God is is being generous. Yes. And I even think about Matthew, the tax collector, right? Mm-hmm. A tax collector during that time was someone who, yes, culturally was l- and legally allowed to go around and pick a number and a figure and say, oh, that's the number I want. And they cut a huge percentage for themselves. And that was legal, right? But the people looked at them with disdain and disgust because they were manipulators. They would rob people, Mm -hmm. essentially. Even Mm -hmm. though it was illegal, it was not just, right? right? Right. And what I love is Jesus even includes people like that into his discipleship. And he says, you know what? Come follow me. And I have a better way and a better methodology of doing things. Um, So even if you're someone who's like, gosh, I have have turned a blind eye. I have, I I know I I use you know industries in India and China that that aren't fair. You know what? Yeah. I there there's redemption. There's goodness. There's ability to change that. But it causes intentionality to enter into those systems that oppress people, just like Jesus did. Jesus yeah. put on flesh. He entered into a broken world. Why? Because he wanted to heal it. He right. came into it because right. he wanted to redeem it. And right. so if we're going to take seriously this identity of being a Christian, which is a little Christ, right. we're called to embody and do the same, to enter into those systems, exactly. to bridge those gaps oh and to gosh. say enough is enough. Oh, this is so good. And I know we're going to be wrapping things up again for this week, but I just, as we were talking, I couldn't help but think about the... Um, you know, the times when I've been working with business owners and, you know, because of what I do, I get to work with a variety of business owners. And, you know, we're we're looking at P&Ls and we're looking at financial results and we're, you know, maybe the company is in a pinch point with their cash flow. And so we're trying to find cost cutting measures. And, and so you're just looking for a supplier or a supply chain that's not as expensive mm-hmm. um, so that you can improve your gross profit margin, you can improve your bottom line. And what 
came to my heart and my mind when you were talking, Kyla, was how the consciousness raising um, has to be so real uh, for an owner. And even for me as a business advisor, uh, when you are looking at the dollars and cents of things and you're just trying to solve a real financial problem with your business... Um, and the fact is, is that the question of the supply chain and whether or not labor is being exploited and that's why you can get your your raw material at a lower cost, it doesn't even come into the... The forefront the, of your the, mind. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't even get consideration. Totally. Because at the point in time when you are looking for cost-cutting opportunities, that's your purpose. That's your intent. And so as you were chatting, I was like, God, this is so difficult because on the one hand, to be sustainable as a business, you want to find the low cost solution, um, not to the extent that you sacrifice quality, but that you are able to maintain the quality just for a better price. Yep. So the question then becomes, well, is that better price, is there a hidden cost? Mm-hmm. And is that hidden cost Absolutely. The, the labor that was maybe exploited on the upstream in the supply chain so that you could get your lower costs. Oh my God, these are real hard situations, folks. And I, and I don't want you to think that we're trying to simplify them because we're not. I, our purpose is to just raise the awareness that these are the questions that we as business leaders and owners need to ask ourselves when we are faced with, you know, situations where we're just trying to balance our budget or we're trying to improve our performance financially and economically, that we do not end up in a situation where we are exploiting labor as a result, that we are not able to improve our bottom line and live a a lifestyle of luxury and abundance at the expense of people who have worked hard and not been paid the wage that they were due. Don't don't let us fall into the situation where James was writing about in the fifth chapter of the scripture, where we we feel like, oh my God, we're, we're good. You know, we've got everything we need. And if we looked deeply and closely at the impact that we've been having uh, on the world that we are living in and the supply chain that we're tapping into, we find that we have been partakers of or participants in Mm -hmm. an unjust labor system. Yep. Yeah. That's it, folks. I mean, I mean, I'll just leave it at that. Something to ponder, something to consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been listening to Loving God and Making Money. Kyla and I come every week to just mm-hmm. try to challenge you, inspire you, encourage you to be aware and and to pay attention to the things that um, God would care about as we go into the marketplace. Make more, save more, give more to the glory of God. So again, Kyla and I, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Kyla, anything you want to say to our listeners before we wrap up today? No, you guys got this. I, I'm so hopeful for the future. I know that yeah. this is a lot and this can feel so dreary, yeah. but the truth is knowledge is power. That's right. And if we can start naming things, we can do something about it and That's we can right. actually have the ability to change the world. Amen. So if you're a follower, like 
God has an incredible kingdom he wants to build. And there is nothing more exciting than to join in and build it. And so this isn't a a sad thing or a scary thing. Mm -mm. What this is, is a a leap of faith of building the kingdom of God. And it's going to look different than we've seen before. So let me encourage you that these are good things and we will pioneer a new way. And there is hope. Amen. Amen. And that being said, we're going to sign off. So have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.